0: Hello and welcome to the On The Whistle Podcast. My name is Alistair Howarth, your host for this AFCON preview series that we have been doing in the build-up to the tournament in Côte d'Ivoire. And today we are talking about Morocco. Yes, the Atlas Lions come into the tournament as one of the big favorites after their historic World Cup performance. But Amin El Amri, an On The Whistle favorite and regular, comes on the show to discuss the good and the bad. And Answer, try and answer some of the questions around this team, as well as getting some insight from his pet birds who join him in the podcast.: I mean, it is so good to see you. So good to hear your voice and to hear the, the voice of your lovely birds in the background. Uh, it's great to have you on the podcast again. How, how are you doing, brother?
1: Thanks um, It's, it's uh, absolute my absolute pleasure to be on the whistle again. and speaking about. Our passion, football, our second passion, African football. So yeah. The AFCON is a couple of weeks, so yeah, very hyped, very excited about this.
0: And I hype is the right word because I don't think there is any country coming into this AFCON with so much hype as Morocco. And for, you know, obviously that is down to your sensational success at the world cup in qatar you know less just just over a year i guess from when the afcon kicks off obviously getting to the semi-final best african performance ever you know i guess my question is is what is the mood in the country what is is it is it hype is it expectation is there pressure you know how do you follow up on a world cup success like that and how how are the moroccan people feeling coming coming into the tournament
1: well, it's, it's kind of a mix of the the three aspects. Uh, uh, first of all, the joy. The, the joy is still there. People are still... Um, every time, even me, every time I, I, I stumble upon a highlight from the Qatar World Cup or something, I get goosebumps, and it all goes back up again. Uh, and, it's, and it's relatively new. What, a year or something is not is not that long ago. So I think people are still uh, enjoying this tremendous joy. Uh, There's hype, of course, because uh, by going to uh, all the way to the semifinals of the World Cup, you de facto become uh, um, uh, one of the favorites uh, to win your continental title. So uh, I I think uh, it's kind of, Similar to what happened to Korea in two thousand and two, they managed to reach the semifinal because, um, also because they were uh, co-organizing the the event, and then s- since this that moment, South Korea um, uh, in every competition, whether it's Asian Cup or or World Cup qualifiers, uh, begins it as favorite, and I think Morocco has been favorite although. Um, uh, the the titles uh, in Morocco very few. Uh, one Afcon, uh, two Chan titles, if we can consider that as major titles. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, this lack of of titles on the continental and uh, especially for the A team. uh it's been a talking point for about. Forty-five, maybe fifty years now since this old Afcon won in nineteen seventy-six in Ethiopia. So I guess every time we come to an Afcon, uh, this pressure, and there will always be pressure until that moment and that day where we will lift the the trophy of the Afcon because it's not when you see it, uh, maybe from a outside vision, it's not normal, uh, it's it's rather, uh, it's something incredible that a country, um, first of all, so passionate about football, uh, second of all, has uh, all, almost all the infrastructure for modern football, um, and uh, third of all, having all those names uh, competing and performing at such a high level, not being able to lift, or at least to reach a final. We reached one final uh, since 1976, which, which was played in, in another in round-robin uh, thing. It's different. The bottom line is that we played only one final in 2004. And since then, we haven't been able to reach just the semifinals. And that's not normal. So I think this kind of bizarre situations uh, uh, get people or drag people to put more pressure on the national team uh, during the AFCON. So it's kind of a mix of the hype, the joy and the pressure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and that's the one thing I love about the AFCON because... You know, we're we're speaking about yeah Morocco. You know, like the infrastructure, the investment is you know there it does there is no comparison. You know, maybe Egypt is is similar, but not in terms of the kind of coherence of the federation and you know the for, for you know Morocco has its flaws when it comes to football, but it is so well run at the national level, the youth levels. You know, it's such a well kind of run system, tight ship, like you say. And, and in most, I feel like in most areas of life and in most areas of football, you know, we see those rewards. Like Morocco is developing players better than most people, like all this is coming through. But the AFCON doesn't care about that. You know, the, the AFCON doesn't matter how, how well you're run, you know, how good your federation is. At the end of the day, there. you know, you'll come up against, you know, say in 2021, this awful Egyptian side that finds a way to make you play worse than you are brings Morocco down to their level grind you down and then beat you an extra time and you know and that's what I I love about the AFCON and even I was speaking with uh you know someone from Equatorial Guinea recently and we're talking about like oh what's the kind of secret to Equatorial Guinea success because you've been so good at AFCON and he was saying well it's it's funny because the 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 federation is so bad It's, it's so poorly run the players are still even now asking for payments from the last AFCON and yet they're still you know, doing, doing so well in comparison to a team like Morocco. And, you know, it's interesting, we, we've spoken a lot, you know, obviously from, particularly from an outside of Africa lens, Morocco are surely seen as the favorites, you know, they did so well at the world cup, they have this young, exciting manager and Wild regret, you know, they look so good, but things haven't been quite so smooth since the world cup, have they? Obviously you get that brilliant result against Brazil. But it seems like you guys have been, you know, laboring a bit, obviously, you know, draws with Peru, Cape Verde, you know, games you would think you you should win. And then obviously that shock loss against South Africa, you know, is there a sense that actually, you know, the task at hand tactically and in terms of the way you perform is so different from a world cup because obviously morocco's world cup was sensational because you knock out belgium croatia spain portugal you know go toe-to-toe with france but of course those are all big teams that are expected to beat morocco and you suddenly go from the absolute underdogs coming from nowhere to the biggest fish in the pond you know everyone's expectations whether it's fair or not morocco are the heavy favorites for this afcon you know how how do you think the team and and Regragi in particular are going to be able to manage that kind of shifting pressure, but also tactically, how are they going to manage that?
1: Whoa, that's that's the that's a great question because well, it, it has the two sides. One side is the mindset and approaching a, uh, an Elfcon being favorite is very different from approaching it being the the underdog. Um, uh, I'll give you an example. a Quick example: Two thousand and four, uh, we go to Tunisia, being the absolute underdog. The team is under pressure. Bedouzaki is criticized from almost everywhere. Uh, he goes with a team of new, new fight, like six, seven, eight players. Almost uh, more than a third of the team is new players, and then we get to the final. Almost clinched that title in Tunisia uh, and we miss the World Cup without losing any game afterwards and we go out in the first round in 2006 in Egypt, almost in the same conditions but with more experience, those same group of players, they were more experienced than in 2004 so I think it's a mindset I, I think um if everybody, if the whole world considers Morocco's team as favorite, it would be a huge error, huge mistake. If those players and that same group think of themselves as the favorite. And I think this is the mindset to go in Côte d'Ivoire with. I think Weller Greg is trying to to get this uh, to get people to understand this because um, we played a friendly game against Côte d'Ivoire in October and we struggled. And it was, uh, it was very hard in Abidjan and Félix of Wadmoni Stadium uh, because of the climate, because of the uh, intensity, because of the heat, but because uh, most of all of the tactical opposition of Jean-Louis Gasset, uh, Côte d'Ivoire, and they were very, very good, very physical we almost didn't exist for 45 or 60 minutes, and then I I think the change in the mindset after the World Cup is that even though we went to Cote d'Ivoire for the friendly game with almost four or five injuries in the in the starting lineup, but the thing is I I think the the shift in this team mindset has been to come back in that game. Uh, even though it was a lucky goal by Kavi, um it, it wasn't a good setup uh, uh, attack, but we scored a goal when we were dead. And uh, let's be honest, we were dead in that game. Uh, if it wasn't for Cote d'Ivoire's lack of efficiency, we'd be 3-4-0 uh, down uh, by, by time or by the 60th minute. But, but the thing is, in that team, there's a good mindset. And that showed in Cote d'Ivoire because the team went back in the, in the result and also on the pitch. I think it showed also in Tanzania. Uh, people could argue that Tanzania is not that best side in Africa, maybe not the best side in its region. But I think uh, in Dar es Salaam, in Tanzania, it's very hard to win, whether it's on club or national team level. And to win there 2-0, uh, maybe 3-0, I don't, I still don't understand why the referee uh, canceled the goal by Adley. But I, I think it would easily be 3 or 4-0. And that was... Or if,
0: a, or if Hakimi could take a penalty.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, of course. And there, I, I think that was a proof of strength. But then again, I will go back to a mindset. Mindset is really, I think the most important thing in AFCON, let's be honest, is the mindset. Because uh, the players are maybe at the same level. If there's difference in the physicality, there's also difference in technicity. And and I think what makes the difference, uh, above all, is the mindset. If you go with the mindset of we're the favorite, uh, everything is luxury and stuff, and we're comfortable, I think it's very hard to win in AFCON. If you go with the with the kind of commando mindset, I think you can do something, whether it's Egypt, it's Cote d'Ivoire, it's Nigeria, uh, whoever we're facing, I think it's most of all a mindset thing. And I think the Greg has been Relatively good in that area because uh, let's remember that let's remind people that Walid uh, Dragić just came a couple of weeks before the World Cup, two months, three months, maybe tops. So the work he was instilling in this team was not absolutely not tactical, absolutely not physical, but on the mind, uh, and I think he's very good at this. He did it with also with Vida. He did it with Fuse. It's somebody who knows how to speak to players' minds because he was a player and he was uh, one of the key players in that 2014. So I think, uh, uh, I don't think he's going uh, for the title from day one. I think the, the main goal and the realistic goal would be to get to the semifinals. Not because we're not strong enough. I, I think going to the semifinals and hope for the best is, is the best approach. But because we're playing Afcon 2025 in Morocco. So going out in the first round in that 16 would be an absolute nightmare. Would absolutely destroy what has been done in the last 18 or 20 months. But going to the semifinals knowing that we're playing AFCON 2025 in Morocco, I think there was, this would be a huge, huge uh, boost for the morale.
0: And, and you mentioned Morocco, and I also think you're know, playing in Morocco, and I, I think it's also interesting you mentioned you bring up that Cote d'Ivoire game, because obviously one thing that I think comes into play in AFCON in a way that it doesn't really anywhere else, maybe AFC, I'm, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but it's is, is the location of the tournament. Right is the fact that you know this is not in North Africa. you know we saw you know even t- 2004, obviously in North Africa is when Morocco did well, but we're in we're in the Ivory Coast, you know the, a you know we've we've already seen you know some of the warm up games, I think it was their game against Mali completely rain rained off because it was so you know torrential, you know it is hot, it is humid. The pitches are probably going to be more comparable to Cameroons than they are to Moroccos. like this is not it's gonna get gritty, it's gonna get hard. And, you know, is that a challenge in of itself to, you know, North African teams in general, but especially Morocco? And how important was it that you actually were able to get that game? And like you said, you know, play that game against Ivory Coast, be dominated, really struggle, but still not lose. You know, how important is that experience coming into the tournament?
1: Let's be honest about this. Uh, Sub-Saharan Africa is hard for everybody, uh, except Egypt. I think Egypt is the only northern side to win an Afcon or multiple Afcons in, in in Sub-Saharan Africa, and even for teams like, for example, South Africa, they struggle in that, um, you know, that that uh, between the 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 uh, the equator line and and ten ten degrees above, uh, yeah south or north of, of the equator, so I think a tropical area is very hard for the oxygenation. This is scientific, this is not, I, I, I think I used to have this idea, now they're making it up, uh, they're not willing to play, they're dragging their feet, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But I went to Cote d'Ivoire, I went to Gabon, and let me tell you, it's, it's night and day, it's completely different. Uh, I've been to Gabon for the AFCON in 2017, we went to OEM, which is kind of at the top north of Gabon, so almost not tropical area. It was great. It was hot, but it was cold. But going to Libreville and Port-Gentilles, it's, it's another whole history. It's another whole story. Uh, you're in 95% humidity uh, coupled with 30 plus degrees. It's it's nightmare. It's nightmare not because you can't produce the effort. You can, actually. But it's going to cost you a lot to uh, be in shape again. So that three days frame between game one and game two and game three, etc., etc., is just not enough uh, to uh, to get your strength back, especially when it comes to breathing. And it's very, very hard. Uh, I, I witnessed this firsthand, actually. This is because I speak about it. <laughs> but then again, uh, then again, it, it goes it goes back up to mindset. Uh, if you go with the, with the whole team uh, with a mindset of winners, obviously, of course, you can't have the same quality from the starting 11 and going down in the list. But if you have got, I think the list is got, are going to be 27 players this year. So I think from 11 to 27, you have got to have the players in the same mindset. So everybody has got to be ready. If I have to do a turnover for the second game, okay, so be it. One of the 12 to 27 players have has to come in and deliver uh, as much as the 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 official lineup or the first lineup will, will give. So I I think again uh, it goes back up to mindset, because what we've seen, for example, Egypt, what did Egypt in d'Ivoire, was just absolutely mind games. It was just mind games,
0: That's all and it they was. were very you know. <laughs> good. News.
1: It's 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 business. I I I like it. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, don't have absolutely. any problem with them. Hon- they Honestly, I know so it's
0: it's not good to say to you as a Moroccan, but that game against Morocco will, will live in my mind for, for a long, long time. Just the way in which the terrible Egyptian team made you play down to them, took you down to it. Yeah, but the, yeah. defensively,
1: they were great. They, Yeah, but they, they played by their book and by Carlos Queiro's book. And just to uh, just to remind people, Carlos Carlos, was, uh, it was his third success in three games against Morocco. First one was with South Africa in Mali in 2002. They beat us 4-1. It was fair and square. Uh, 2018 uh, is most similar to what happened in Cameroon. 2018 is Morocco is against Iran in the World Cup. They didn't play for anything. Iran, they, they waited for their moment. And they had their moments, and yeah, good for them. And against Egypt, it's exactly the same thing. They, they were playing mind games against Hakimi, against against stuff. And yeah, what happened is that at that right moment, they had their goals. Yeah, fair play to them. Uh, no no worries about it. We, we used to beat them for 30 years. So yeah, we're kind of two Afghans in the row. It's not a problem
0: for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll give it to them. Oh, I love it. I love it. But, we, we, you know, one of the things that I think is, is proven a challenge but kind of alluded to it earlier was this this idea that, you know, Regraghi came in and did this, you know, incredible miracle of of setting up a team uh, that was defensively, you know, so well structured. Obviously, you, you have the players for it as well. You've got this incredibly settled back four now with, you know, Hakimi Aguirre and Saiz Masraoui and you can, you know, and you know, at the World Cup, it was great to see some of the guys fill in, like you know Atiyyat Allah and you know El Yamik as well. And then of course Amrabat sitting in front of them, and it's so defensively stable. But the real issue for me looking at this Morocco team is is the creativity going forward because Ziyech, you know, for all his brilliance and his skill, he's he, he's never quite seemed to to settle as that kind of constant playmaker. And obviously, he's hitting form now with Galatasaray. But then obviously, you know, Sofian Bufala had that with, you know, for me, the standout player in the, in that AFCON with you guys last time, but obviously he's not as involved, you know, but one thing I've enjoyed seeing with Regragi, and you've mentioned, you know, part of it is because of injuries, but the fact that he's slowly, you know, well, maybe not slowly, but since the World Cup, he started to bring in more players and more players, particularly in those technical attacking plays, you know, Adley, you know, El Elhanous getting, getting game time as well, even though he's only what, like 19, 20, you know, where, I guess for me the question is is we know morocco are going to be hard to beat we know you're going to be defensively disciplined and more likely than not dominate games but where are those goals going to come from where is that creative spark going to come from for you
1: i i, I still think our best chance is is ziaf is uh is somebody that can you know flip a game like that they, they call him the magician for something and uh um, uh, I think the difference between uh what happened with Ziyech in Chelsea and now is that uh, he's getting a lot of confidence in Galatasaray and it shows. Um, like I'll give you an example. During October, he 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 wasn't available because of an injury, but in November he insisted that he would he would come. Uh, for the for the games for the, the actually the sole game against Tanzania. And he played and he did very, very well. Uh, I, I think he's still the key, maybe not for the entirety of a game. Because he tends to you know, to have some fatigues. It's normal for a thirty player, 30 mm-hmm. year old player. But uh kids like Al khanous like you said, kids like Adli, uh maybe even Zilzuli and and I mean Harid. Those are all players that can play behind the offensive line and that can bring uh, creativity and uh, 1v1 um, uh, strength. But the key for me is not there. The, uh, the, principle, oh, the, 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 the challenge for Walid Dregregi is on the striker point. The striker we have, Yusuf and Sadie. I have absolutely no doubt that this guy is working like crazy, and whether it's national mm-hmm. team, whether it's um, it's a Monday afternoon training session. Um, he he works his socks off, so I think he deserves to be there. He deserves to be there, and he scores. It, it's not like he doesn't score; he's a goal a year or something, but. Uh it's it's tricky. It's tricky because you have got right behind Yusuf and Seri, uh, maybe on the starting eventual starting lineup, you have got Ayub Kabi. Ayyub Kabi is very good, it's very efficient. Uh but it just lacks this I don't know, this spark, this uh mm-hmm. this something, this extra inch that Yusuf and Seri will go. On the other hand, Nisifun Seyri has got all of this, plus the defensive role that he plays. But you, since the World Cup, he hasn't scored with the national team. So you have this absolute dilemma. I have no mm. doubt about that. For example, like you said, Bounou, Seysa, uh, Gird, Hakimi, Mazrawi, Amrabat, etc. I have no doubt about this. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the maybe the two or three players that would be behind in Serie would be kind of a doubt. Uh, if if Bufal is fit, he's gonna play. Let's be honest about this. Uh, mm-hmm. if Zies is fit, he's gonna play. Uh, with maybe percentages going off for Adli, uh, mean Harid, Hernous, and Zelzuli. Those, those are the four guys that would be ready to step up that already are. Ready to step up if if somebody is unavailable, but the dilemma is uh, is Cabi and Sadi. How would you choose? They they, they play very well. Uh, they're defensively they defensive assets. Uh, they're very good with their header, but one is has a killer instinct, which is in Sadi, but doesn't score so often, and was and one is very altruistic in his game and manages to score somehow, but still hasn't got that spark, this, that killer instinct that maybe would make him the number one striker for, for the national team. So right. I, I think my doubt is for the striker position rather than uh, any, any, any position else in, in the team.
0: Oh, absolutely. That, that makes sense, and it, you know we saw how that the, the what unnecessary brings to the table at the World Cup, both defensively and offensively. But like you said, it's going to be it's a different challenge because suddenly you're breaking down defenses. You're not playing on the break. So I mean, we, we've spoken for almost twenty five minutes. We haven't even talked about the the actual group, your actual opponents. Um, <laughs> but obviously, I find Brocco's group is quite funny because you're you're in with the RC, Zambia and Tanzania. Tanzania obviously you just played against them you know but obviously but it also you know it wasn't it wasn't a full strength Tanzania squad you know there was almost a second string team in terms of how much was rotated there's a lot of youngsters being given their time and we know that Tanzania are capable on their day of being defensively resolute obviously they went to Algeria got that nil nil that qualified them again caveat it it wasn't the full strength Algeria team but any Algeria team at home being held to nil nil is, is an incredible result and then you've got DRC who, again, are, you know, with DRC, it's always a maverick. You never know what's going to what's gonna come from them. And particularly now when they have, you know, weapons like, like Wisa up front who are genuine kind of, you know, how much I'm sure you'd give to have a player like him up front who do have that killer instinct and are brilliant. And then, of course, no team except for Nigeria, I'd say, have the weapons going forward of Zambia. You know, Zambia, you'll you'll score three against them, but they'll score five against you. You know, they're one of the most exciting teams at the tournament. You know, f- for you, how it's interesting because these are going to be three games where you almost have to approach them in three completely different ways. You know, how much confidence do you have Going into the into those three group games because again you'll be expected to win all three of those, and anything less than will be seen as, as as a disappointment. So how how are you feeling heading into those first games? And you know, obviously that first one against Tanzania.
1: No, I, I think um, let's be honest here. Now, not playing any political correct card here, but uh, I I think the hardest game would be would be the Congo, not not only because of the uh, the the level of these singularities of the individuals in that team. But because it's are Congo, man, and we, we have got a rivalry with them that almost goes back to the 60s to the early 70s. And they're a great football country. Uh, I, I think they have got uh, what it takes uh, to be an upset. Then again... Um, when we're talking about Africa, uh, the African football lacks just one thing: the serenity. Going into an Afcon with serenity does make all the difference. I remember we played them in in 2017. They were so good. They were so good, but because there was. There was so much going on background uh, about the, the fees and the wages and the play wages, and it's, and it's absolute, uh, an, an absolute mess. And I really hope they're trying to solve this because they have got a great football nation. Uh, I, I just love the Congo. And I love their football. I've been following them for so many years and what what uh, somebody like like Ibenge did uh, in this team in that football is absolutely worthy of of, of every title uh, not only on the club level but also on the national team level. So I think the Congo has got that that history and has got that weight on African football, that makes him uh, the biggest rival in that group. That being said, I don't think Tanzania that we saw in the World Cup qualifiers will be in the same mindset in the AFCON. I, I, I have to say, Tanzania never won an AFCON game. And they will try to win one in, in, in Cote d'Ivoire. And I think they will win one in Cote d'Ivoire. From this point, going to uh, Morocco struggling against Tanzania, I don't see it going. I don't see it happening, uh, to be honest. Uh, The biggest uh, interrogation point is is Zambia. Zambia can be very good and very bad. And uh, (laughs) there is no between. There is no in between with Zambia. So they, uh, they have got Technical assets, great player. I, I, I love Dhaka. Dhaka is, is a hell of a player. I, I love him uh, since the first day I saw him with, with the Leicester jersey. And I think he's a great asset. Whether he's going to be in the AFCON, whether he's going to be very good in the AFCON, whether he's going to perform in the AFCON. This, again, my friend, is going to depend on all the context and all what's going on in the background. And uh, one day doesn't resemble the other in the Afcon, and it's gonna be <laughs> very different. But I think um, Morocco would not struggle to go past the first group stage, but it's not gonna be easy, especially against DR Congo and Zambia. But I think, um, I think it's uh kind of uh, starts to be normal to go through the group stage which is not easy and wasn't evident uh, a decade ago. But now I, I think with the passing of the time, with the experience, the regularity uh, exercise, I, I think Morocco will pass the first group stage. And then from the knockout, we will see.
0: We will see, absolutely. I mean, thank you so much. We With with all our journalists, all our experts we've been speaking to, We we've been doing... We've been finishing off the interviews with with a quick fire round of questions so i'm i'm going to hit you now with them and i'm expecting rapid rapid answers I don't, I don't want i don't want to hear two or three options i want to hear good answers
1: okay shoot
0: <laughs> so my first question you know we've, we've talked about this but coming into this tournament who is the one player that you think is you know maybe not morocco's best but the the most important player coming into this tournament
1: Uh, for morocco Mm -hmm. Uh, i i think it's gonna be
0: yassine bono yassine Oh, okay interesting recently snubbed at the caf awards yassine Bounou. but hopefully he won't be after an afcon performance we'll 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 see and then you know we've talked about a, a lot of these youngsters that could break into this team you know who is the one youngster that you think we should all be watching at this tournament
1: um i mean adli
0: i mean adli yeah,
1: I don't know if it's still considered. Considered a youngster, he's borderline. Borderline. Yeah, okay. I'll give it to you. <laughs> I think what is he? Twenty-four. Is he? 20, I think. I think he's twenty-four.
0: Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Yeah. yeah, we'll give it. I allowed. I allowed oh. some others. Twenty-four. So I w- we'll allow it. All right, and then and then the big the big question is how far Morocco are gonna get at the Afcon 2022? twenty-three?
1: I'm being positive and say uh, at least semifinals
0: at least semi-finals okay Okay. and then who and and if morocco don't win it who do you think is going to win win the afghan oh
1: i think egypt looks very good
0: yeah egypt okay very (laughs) i love that egypt all right and then who's who's going to be top scorer
1: top scorer i think it's going to be ozimin uh but unfortunately for nigeria they won't win the title that I'm pretty sure of it <laughs> I think
0: that's, that's a very common response <laughs> alright so we're, we're looking at Morocco semi-final Egypt winning it Aussie men top score but who's going to get the, the player of the tournament award
1: ooh player of the tournament is a tricky one um, if, if Cote d'Ivoire makes it to the final four I think somebody like Sekou Fofana will will be the best player in Cote d'Ivoire I think he will be the best if it's Cote yeah.
0: He he has been fantastic. I mean, even that game against even that game against Gambia it's that goal great, play, great play, Great, fantastic. It's, yeah. It's the oh, I like it. Yeah. It's a, the, the franchise
1: for Lance, but unfortunately he, he chose to go to Saudi Arabia, but we would have seen a great great Champions League player this year, but yeah, you know, it's his choice. Uh we we're, we're not going to be <laughs>
0: Amazing. I mean, I love the positivity. I'm looking forward to it even more now. I mean, thank you so much for joining us on the On The Risk podcast. As always, we love having you sharing your wisdom with us. And I hope you and, you, you and your birds have a lovely rest of your day. <laughs>